It is love bombing. You give someone who mm-hmm. doesn't have anything everything that they want, and then you threaten to take it away if they don't commit. Mm-hmm. And you act all sad about it, like, oh, you know, we're going to miss you, but you can't come anymore if you don't put a slug in your head, you know, like, you, re- you we really- We don't want you to go. We don't but- want, we don't want to see you go. <laughs> but we just can't spend resources on people who um, aren't willing to help push the, the organization forward. Like, holy mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> Idris like really- yeah mask off like Mm -hmm. yeah this is this is the crux of it yeah and it's the fact that really it's the fact that they don't tell you this up front right like that's that's the kicker is because if you knew going in like oh i get to test drive this for a few weeks and then decide you know that's one thing but it's another thing if you become dependent on all of this positivity Mm-hmm. And then they throw it at you. Oh, yeah, by the way, you have to choose. Like, because mm-hmm. in the first one, you realize that they're courting you. In the second yeah. one, you just think that they've accepted you. Mm-hmm. Oh, my boy. Like, he really mm-hmm. is their perfect target. Yeah. Absolutely. <sighs> um, Jake shows up at this meeting because this is the meeting he told Tom he would go to. Um, we, uh, Tobias thinks about how Tom gets a lot of respect at the meetings. Even the adults are respectful. Um, and he and Jake talk and it is an incredibly uncomfortable conversation. Um, mm-hmm. because Jake is like, Hey, what's up? And Tobias is like, nothing except, uh, tonight's the big night. Um, and Jake's like, why? Oh, I'm going to become a full member. He looked at me kind of sideways. Congratulations, I guess. Right? Sure. You should do it too. Uh huh. That's what Tom keeps telling me. So why don't you? I asked. He looked uncomfortable. I don't know. I guess it's just not my thing. Oh, you're too cool. He looked sharply at me. I wasn't trying to offend you, man. You didn't offended me. You didn't offend me, I said, sounding offended. Not at all. I'm just curious. Why don't you want to join? Tom's a member, so it's not like it's just for losers like me. That came out much harsher and more pathetic than I'd intended. Tobias, you're not a loser, he said, which just made it worse. It's bad enough being a loser. You don't want the winners like Jake feeling sorry for you. Hey, join or not, no problem, I said. It's just... He looked down at the floor, then over at Tom, who was shaking hands and laughing with a group of guys and girls. I don't know, people start talking about how the individual has to give way to the group. I just... I don't know, I get kind of jumpy. Besides, how can I join any organization where Mr. Chapman is a member? He meant that last part as a joke, but I didn't want to laugh. Don't you want to be part of something big and important? He shook his head very slightly. No, I don't want to be a part. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just my own mental block. But anytime someone starts talking that stuff, I start looking for the exit door. You're part of a lot of things, Jake, I said. You're part of a team. You're part of your country. He nodded. No, I didn't make the team, he said darkly. He forced a happy face. Hey, I'm just down because of this conversation I had with Cassie. 
it kind of bothered me somehow. Not your problem, though. So how about I just say congratulations and wish you luck and all. And it's like, I really mm-hmm. like seeing Jake be a good guy here. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's honestly not trying to rain on Tobias's parade uh, and can tell mm-hmm. that Tobias is taking all of this the wrong way. Um, or, or personally, as opposed to like, you know, this is just my decision. I'm not harshing your decision. Yeah. But, uh, like, it's so awkward. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, cause Tobias is projecting. Mm hmm. But also, like, you know, part of this is because he's feeling insecure about this choice. He's feeling mm-hmm. wary. And then it's like Jake is here, like, kind of um, confirming or putting weight behind his own doubts. And he mm-hmm. doesn't want that right now. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's, uh,. Yeah. And he's throwing he's throwing the same kind of tactics at Jake that Bill has thrown at him and then he's wondering why it's not working. Mm-hmm. Um, don't you want to be part of something? Uh and it's like people who aren't as vulnerable as Tobias have a bit of a buffer to these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, we just we're seeing the effect of that. Uh Yeah. Uh, but Tobias is taken with three other people, uh, to a small, dimly lit room, like a dentist's waiting room, only with mood lighting and no magazines. Uh, there's a police officer named Edward, a newspaper reporter named Kiko, uh, and a guy who managed local bands named Barry, and then Tobias. And Tobias is wondering why he, who is just some kid, is along with these other three people, and, like, why would the sharing choose to get him? Um, And it really speaks to how insidious the sharing is, that none of them question just being put in this small, dimly lit room for some kind of weird fucking initiation. Like... Mm -hmm. Uh... It's it's certainly something. Um and and he's just questioning himself. The question was impossible to avoid. How did I fit into this group? Was it really true that the sharing didn't care if you were old or young, male, female, black, white, Asian, Christian, Jew, Muslim, Buddhist, atheist, straight, gay, rich, or poor? I mean, that's what they said, but lots of people say that. They don't always mean it. Mostly people look for ways to treat other people like dirt. Uh, which is a great nod to just like the hypocrisy of everything. Um, mm-hmm. particularly of like liberals. Mm-hmm. Um, who are like, oh no, I can't possibly be racist. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a black friend. Uh, so on and so forth. Um, and like 
he's looking at these adults in the room, and the adults are kind of like looking back. And Tobias thinks that they are um, wondering why he's there, because adults have an automatic prejudice against kids. They don't take kids seriously, even when they pretend to. At least that's Tobias's experience, which really mm-hmm. speaks to the kind of adults that he interacts with on a regular basis. Yep. Um, the band manager like talks to him about music and how the sharing is going to uh, help him get like his music out there or something. Um, and, uh, then Mr. Chapman takes Kiko in, uh, to the back alone for whatever the initiation is that nobody knows. Um, and we get a little bit of propaganda. Yeah, this fucked me off so much because... I love the fucking Tobias being gifted the inside. Just like, no, nah, it doesn't matter that he's not in uniform. I know a cop when I see one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's because, where go? Just like, yeah, because my uncle is always on the lookout for cops. As so has told me what to look for. And because my uncle hates cops, I'm going to like them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, your uncle's a douchebag, but that doesn't <laughs> mean he's wrong to tell you to look out for cops. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, but it, in, in the way of a lot of kids, it sets Tobias's mind at ease that the cop is there, right? Because everyone is taught to, well, not everyone. White, White kids, kids are taught to trust cops. Um, and you so know, he. That's actually kind of interesting. T- Sorry to cut you off. Mm-hmm. But no, go ahead. Working class kids aren't. Mm. If you grow up in like, assisted living like council housing or rougher areas or like was it government assisted housing mm-hmm. like you don't trust cops mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. again this feels like one of those things where i feel like it might be as we saw earlier tobias's ha- hatred of his uncle mm-hmm. and rightly so mm-hmm. coloring his instincts yeah I think so. Um, I think it's like he, he recognizes that his uncle is a fucked up dude. Uh, yeah. And like, you know, a lot of, a lot of cops aren't great towards kids like me, but also if my uncle hates them, they can't be all bad and they're yeah. supposed to uphold law. And this guy's here and he's joining the sharing and the sharing's been cool. Yeah. It's a lot of like circular type logic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but yeah, Tobias jumps a couple of times as the door comes open. Um mm-hmm. but Tobias is the second one to go through. Mm-hmm. And Barry encourages just like, hey kids, switch to decaf. Um like gently try he's clearly trying to put Tobias to ease mm-hmm. as well. Uh yeah, this guy's been like, Yeah, my baton's gonna be kick ass. But it's also like being nice to this scared kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get more melodrama as Bill, uh, explains it. Yeah. Yeah. Going towards a red light. Christ on a bike. Yeah. Um, down some stairs. 
I'm going to give Tobias credit of being a a child, mm-hmm. b um like having been exper- exposed to this for a while. But I'm sorry, he goes down into this room with he's got a face a table mm-hmm. uh, with six people at it, all looking his way. Uh, including Kiko, who's now got a weird-ass smile going on. There's mm-hmm. a weird metal hot tub in the corner with a chair next to it and a harness on the tip of the tub. Fucking moody red lighting. Everything is metal. You'd get down there like, this is a villain's head cut. And to be fair, by the time you get into this room, it's already too late, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So even if your survival instincts kicked in, just like, mm, nah, I've seen this movie. This is bad. Yeah. But, but yeah. Um, it Tobias really... has to go through this pageantry. And it's just, it, it just, yeah, no, please. I'm rambling. Go. Please. Speak. It really speaks <laughs> to his vulnerability. And yes. honestly, to, to the, how difficult it is to deprogram when you've been, uh, pulled in by a cult. Um, like also, it the is. Fact that, mm-hmm. Go on. It it's next to impossible to get away, and it is incredibly difficult. Um, because you've you've justified so much so far that your own brain is working against you. Yeah. Okay. The fact that also Chapman is at this table, who is mm-hmm. another like authority figure in mm-hmm. Tobias's life, it yes. sort of again that that pressure is there. Yeah. Also, uh, Mister Visser is also here. Yeah. As they call him. Yeah. the The leader of the sharing, your assistant principal, a person who went before you and seems totally fine, and the person who's been grooming you for the past month are all in this room and being like just one more little thing to get through you know it's it's weird but we just have this this uh tradition you just got to sit in the chair um and i love i love i love this detail um chapman forced his features back into a pleasant smile Are you ready, Tobias? Is this what you truly want? What I wanted? I wanted to fly, to spread my wings, catch the breeze, feel my talons leave the branch, soar as the thermal raised me up to the clouds. What? Bill nudged me. Yes, I said. And you will surrender yourself to the sharing. Yes, the image had been so strong, so real. Flying high, seeing through eyes that were like telescopes. And he's told to sit in this chair. He sits in the chair. He's told to place his hand in the shackles. He places his hands in the shackles, even though, you know, as he's going, like, no big deal. Lots of organizations have weird initiations. No problem. But something is wrong. Uh, no, no, this is insane. This is wrong. No. Handcuffs? I looked pleadingly at Mr. Chapman. He was the vice principal. He wouldn't be part of anything bad, would he? But Mr. Visser was in the way. It was his bored face I saw. And 
Bill fastens him into this chair and then tells him to put his head down sideways into the harness. What is this? I asked. What are you doing? I mean, what's going to happen? Your whole world is going to change, Tobias, Bill said soothingly. You will see and know and understand everything. I don't think I... I couldn't breathe. A voice in my head was screaming. Run, run. My mind was reeling. I think I changed my mind. Bill suppressed a smile. You want to leave the sharing? You want to leave all of us? All your friends? After all we've done for you? Okay, Tobias. But what will you do then? Where will you go? What's your future? My heart was pounding. I don't know, I said desperately. I just... I... There is no I, Tobias. What are you? One lonely, messed up kid. No one loves you. No one cares. No one but us. Put your head in the harness. I shook my head, wildly, firmly. No. No, I don't want to do this. Bill smiled. He laughed. Well, guess what? It's too late. He grabbed my head in his two hands and shoved it down. And Tobias calls for Chapman, and Chapman comes over and helps Bill force Tobias's head into this harness. This is vi- this is hard to read in like yes. the emotional sense. Um, yes, because before this, a few moments ago, we literally because this is this phrase here is like, "Why are we doing this? What is the point of this?" We get this comment of. Um, Chapman being like, receptivity is helpful, there's less chance of problems later. Which is just uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and as this is going on, um Tobias is the side of his face is being forced into the, what we know is a yerk pool. Um You see, in the end we have to use force, Mr. Vissa said. True, Vissa, but we only have this problem in 21% of the cases of willing members, and there are 64% fewer incidents of contested control with voluntary hosts. I know the statistics, Mr. Vissa snapped. Just do it. I have 30 minutes left before I have to demorph. I heard all this like it was coming from far away. I listened, hoping to hear some note of mercy, some sense that maybe this was all a terrible joke, a hazing, something. My ear touched the water. A moment later, something touched my ear. And it's just chilling. Mm-hmm. In like a very effective way. Yeah. It's just the effortless pivot of Bill. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. to... Like, changing his tactics as he goes from, like, no, everything's fine, we all do it, we're gonna have fun, to, oh, you want to leave? But you have nothing outside of this. <laughs> like, yeah. The fact that it's all done in this very pleasant way, as well, he's, like, mm-hmm. his tone of voice doesn't change. Even he's smiling. He's like, yeah, even as he forces Tobias' head into this harness, he's still like, yeah, well, we tried. This is your fault that we're having to do this this way. Yeah. We wanted you to choose this, but eh, too late, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And again, we have a slight tonal shift, but unlike in some books and Megamorphs where it's felt very whiplashy, this feels like, and now you get to breathe again. 
Mm-hmm. Um, as we have a first uh, in Animorphs, which is a surprisingly nuanced and subtle portrayal of the mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Um, because Axe has wound up, <laughs> locked up in a uh, mental hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably because he got caught eating some weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, we see, this is a, a great chapter to be clear. Well, not just because of the surprisingly nuanced depictions of people like experiencing psychosis and things like that, but just acts, the visual of acts. And I, I wonder what his human morph looks like because obviously he hasn't done the, um, mm-hmm. the maneuver. So he's not the acts as we know him. Mm-hmm. Just chatting to this psychiatrist who's uh-huh. trying to suss him out. And he's just like, but when will the when will there be cookies? Because unlike the cinnabon, cinnamon roll buns, uh, he has discovered Oreos, which, mm-hmm. in my humble opinion, really do not fucking compare to a cinnamon bun. It's true. But each to their own, I guess. Yep. He has yet to have a cinnamon bun, so yep. perhaps for him, Oreos is the best thing he's had so far. But uh, clearly, he made a bit of a ruckus at cookie time the day before because the nurse was just like, no, no. No cookies for him. <laughs> um, but uh, how Axe doesn't even have a name to give. He just gives the name Hey Moron. Uh, and this, like, no, that's what somebody's called you. That's not your name. Um, and this psychiatrist is trying really hard. Um, then Axe sort of slips up by referring to uh, Oreos or the cookies formed by two thin round black discs with a layer of adhesive white substance. Between them are the finest accomplishment of your species. My species? <laughs> and Axe's like, I have made a, I had made a mistake. I had allowed my agitation over the cookies to cause me to be careless. This was not the time to reveal myself. Um, we have a brief diversion into Axe exploring food. Um, including uh, bologna, new things, including bologna sandwiches, grape juice, and Vaseline. So, mm, each to their own. Um, but the psychiatrist is like, I just like, <laughs> I meant our species, actually. So you said your species. Evidently, I am insane. May I go now? <laughs> and the psychiatrist is like, why me, Lord? Why me? And just <laughs> lets him leave. Um, <laughs> But uh, we get Axe's observations on how eventually how he started sussing out Earth technology or human technology about uh, using uh, mouth sounds. So he doesn't Mm -hmm. say mouth sounds uh, to communicate. Um, And then he realizes later what he was hearing. uh, But uh, there are two guys called Elvis Presley here. Uh, One's named John, who has seen Axe demorphing. but didn't seem surprised and told one of the nurses that Axe was an alien. Uh, and the nurses seemed unimpressed. And it seems that many <laughs> of the residents of this particular group habitation are aliens. If you hadn't clocked on to the fact of where we are. Um, I love it. It, take, it took Axe several days before it occurred to me that the humans in this group were not entirely like the broader spectrum of humans. Mm-hmm. Which is... More delicacy and uh, respect we've seen than we've seen in the past yep. animals books. Um, they suffered from mental illnesses, but on balance, they seemed less aggressive and hostile than the humans portrayed on the two-dimensional audiovisual display screen called a TV. Yes. Um, good job, Ka. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So Axe has just been chilling out here because these these folks seem nice. And they have cookies. Yes, but now they don't have cookies, so he's going to bounce. <laughs> yeah. Um, in case it's time for to focus on the primary mission. Um, so he once it's like after lights out, uh, slices open the steel mesh over the windows and bounces. Yeah. Um, so Axe has a plan, which is uh, TV. Uh, this is how he's going to get the word out about the Yerks. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't have any means of doing... Because uh, humans don't have zero space travel, um, let alone Z space travel. Um, so this is his plan. Uh, he decides to... Uh, in order to... Uh, to discern if the Yerks have infiltrated the humans, uh, he's going to show him an Andalite. <laughs> Which I cannot fault his logic. Yep. Because it sure as heck works. Yep. The only reason um, they he doesn't do it in when in the mm. ne- normal timeline is because uh, the kids are like, uh, but he might just be like kidnapped by the government and tested, which isn't mm-hmm. an unreasonable assumption. Yeah. Because I do love how one of, uh, under the list of weaknesses of Yerks, there should be a listing for is incapable of reacting to an Andalite in a chill, envi- in a chill yes. way. Yes. They're immediately like, Andalite scum. Yep. <laughs> it's just like a compulsion for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. But then now we get to go back to Tobias and have the upsetting experience of one more member of the Animorphs getting yerked. Yeah. And it's as horrifying as it always is. Yep. Yep. Uh, And especially because he doesn't know what's happening. Yeah. Like, at least when Cassie and Jake were infested, like, they knew or they were able to figure out what was happening. Like, Tobias doesn't know anything about this. And no. <sighs> and then he gets to learn the worst way possible. Mm-hmm. Because as he is a cold spreads over his body and he realizes he cannot move any part of himself and his mouth is talking independently of mm-hmm. his wishes. Um he starts understanding things because he's now connected to this yerk, uh Odret one seven seven. Um uh, Odret has some kind of report to give. Um, he tells Visser 3 that he is there from the Council of 13 with the orders from the Council of 13. Apparently, there has been some question about how the invasion is to proceed, and Visser 3 wants to hear from the Council that he's been given leave for an open invasion. Um, but Odret is a, uh, his, what's the word? Um, he's an agent of Visser 1, has been sent by Visser 1 that to tell Visser 3, like, nah, the council definitely said you have to keep the secret, um, when the council hasn't actually done that. At least not yet. Um... And we get just, like, the worst, like, Bill stands next to Tobias and leans in and is like, I know you can still hear me. 
do you see what I meant now? You have to give up something human to be part of something larger. And he fucking laughs. And it's like, why? Bill, you suck. Why do you, why do you have to twist the knife like that? Like, what the fuck? This is something we have seen of not all Yerks, but some Yerks is that relishing in cruelty. Mm hmm. For cruelty's sake, like as evidenced by the dragon beam, mm -hmm. a thing designed to hurt as it kills you. Mm -hmm. And as I say this, um, and this is not uh, meant to be a sweeping statement, but I wonder if it's something to do with how powerless the Yerks feel in their natural state compared mm -hmm. to when they are in a host. And so part of having that power is to lord it over somebody else. Yeah. Like the ultimate, like, no, I have power over you and I am going to make you suffer. Yeah. You I have mean, always had this body. Mm -hmm. Why? You don't deserve it. Let me show you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that that's how they're taught to think by the Empire, is that mm. the people the the people that they're infesting don't deserve their bodies. Uh, the Yerks deserve their bodies. Um, and they're better than these hosts that they're taking. Um, and like, you've been kept down under the hooves of the Andalites, uh, because they think lesser of you. Uh, and so they, they react with this cruelty towards so much and just the insidiousness all the way down of of the empire really yeah comes through because as far as you know like not that we ever learn anything about the yerk inside of bell but presumably this is maybe a sub viscer but mm -hmm. also didn't seem to be particularly prominent in the sharing either not in the way that tom is mm -hmm. so is this just some like rank and file yerk who's having fun fucking with a child yeah he's terrified yeah. just like mm, I'm, i had to be nice to you and now i'm just going to be a little bit mean because i yeah. can now because i don't mm -hmm. have to pretend anymore mm -hmm. yeah resenting having to we see that a lot actually with yurks in this uh, uh secret invasion they resent having to put on a show mm. um which is yeah, because unlike, say, Visser One, uh, hasn't had the time to enjoy being on Earth mm -hmm. and what it means to be human. It's just for them, it's just, yeah, well, this is, we've got to get the job done. Yeah. Fuck it. I, I have all this other work to do, but I have to spend my time going to school. Uh, Cheat, don't bet you about it, motherfucking babies. Yeah, I was just, I was just going to say, like, it, it's a interesting contrast to the chi who do that <laughs> they uh -huh. just experience humanity and enjoy it and go round and can choose to go round and round again like be mm -hmm. youths and then adults mm -hmm. i mean it's a good thing that, that that's how you know the chi are powerful because they can stomach being teenagers more than once <laughs> Mm -hmm. I mean, I couldn't do it again. Yeah. 
There's, I, there must be something about knowing that you can literally break anybody in half. Or, well, you could literally hold someone back. <laughs> Theoretically, you could break someone in half. Uh, that you could hug a bear and keep it from hurting anybody. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, I'm going to outlive you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or you just stand there and think about dogs, just like yeah. <laughs> you know what's great? Dogs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so we're we're <laughs> we're getting sidetracked because what's happening to Tobias is so awful. Um, it is. Um, it really fucking is. Um, but. We find out that Odret is an ally to Vissa One. Um, Tobias learns that how she was the first yoga planet Earth, discovered the planet, launched the invasion. About uh, how Odret is leery even of her now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she told some story of being instantaneously transported from her ship to a museum on the planet. It made no sense to Odret. And I'm just there like, I see you, Elamist. I see you, motherfucker. Um... But Vista 3 is demorphing. Um, yeah. And instead of meeting Elfangor or Axe, uh, Tobias' first experience of an Andalite is through the filter of, this, of Yerk Hatred. Yeah. Duplicitous, hypocritical, sanctimonious, deadly, and dangerous. Hmm. <laughs> Which isn't entirely wrong, but it's, no, but yeah, it's all the worst qualities and none of the best ones. Yeah, um, but Odra is aware of one had just how dangerous Vista Three is and is doesn't understand why Vista One is against using greater force. Mm-hmm. Um, but doesn't matter because his concern is to stay alive. Um. You gotta obey Vissa three while pretending to obey the Council of Thirteen and avoid uh angering Vissa three so that he'll get tortured. Mm-hmm. Um and Tobias, um, who's that who just fucking has to be there and witness to this. Uh my life, my very mind, everything that was me had been stolen. Stolen by a creature who was almost certainly doomed. Um and Bill runs back into the room. Uh, having been told to fuck off, you're uh, just like, uh, this uh, on the TV, uh, there's an Andalite. <laughs> um, big uh, Morpheus is fighting Neo energy uh, <laughs> with this entrance. Um, uh, we cut to Jake. And uh, in the middle of the end of an argument of Jake and Tom talking about Jake not wanting to be a full member. Um, and Jake just like wanting to leave early and go home and just like, the more you pressure me into trying to be a full member, the less I want to do it, which is a very teenager thing. It's a very person thing, human thing, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but Tom like storms away his, Jake's mom is in the kitchen and the TV's on. Uh, <laughs> hey, mom, what's up? The electric bill, she muttered. 
Um, but on the TV is an Andalite. Uh, and Jake and his mom are just like, wow, that's weird special effects. Why? Um, uh, his mom tells Tom to turn on the news because there's something weird going on. I don't think the anchors expected this. They look scared to death. Um, and then the TV screen goes blank. Tom looks fucking pissed. Uh, and Jake's mom is like, well, that was weird. Whatever. Back to life. Uh, but Jake is watching Tom, who is so angry and runs up the stairs. Uh, Jake sneaks after him and listens to a call that Tom makes, saying that he saw what happened. It will take him ten minutes to get wherever. Um, someone on the other end of the line is screaming. You know that it's fucking Visser 3. Maybe Chapman. Um, and then Tom uh, shoves something into his waistband up under his jean jacket. It was impossible to avoid thinking it was a gun. I walked past him, pretending not to notice. And Tom's just like, I have to go out. Cover for me. If mom or dad asks, I'm studying. Um, and Jake's like, yeah, okay. This isn't too different from things that he would normally do for Tom. Uh, but to be this clear, is... though, he also, Tom shoves Jake against the wall mm -hmm. before delivering like this. And it's yeah. not playful like it's been in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, this time, Tom is deadly serious. Uh, Jake realizes that wherever Tom's going, he's going to have to take their mom's car. Um, and Jake's like, I can't cover for that. Like, my dad is going to get home and notice that my mom's car isn't here. I can't explain that away. Um, but also something really dangerous is happening and Tom has a fucking gun. What the fuck? Uh, so Jake sneaks out. Uh, beats Tom to the car and uh, hides in the back seat of the minivan. Um, Tom peels out of the driveway. Uh, there's a cop who turns on the lights. And at first Jake is like, oh, okay, well, the cop will pull Tom over. Thank God. Um, it'll, it'll keep him from doing whatever fucking dangerous thing that he's thinking about right now. Uh, and it turns out the cop is just there to escort them because all cops are yerks. Uh, and Jake's just thinking, I have to stop Tom before he does something to get himself in like really serious trouble. Like uh, Jake wanting to protect Tom hurts my heart. Uh, and he loves his brother. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they get to the TV station. Uh, and Jake kind of like hides behind a bush and peeks out and watches as Tom and these cops, uh, and a security guard. Well, no, the security guard doesn't. Tom and these cops just fucking storm this TV station. Tom shoots the security guard with what is revealed to be a dragon beam. Uh, and Jake yells just in surprise and shock 
and horror that his brother would shoot somebody. Um, he's nearly caught, but Jake is able to uh, hide and get away. Um, and uh, Tom and the cop just kind of proceed further into the station. Uh, I couldn't breathe. My heart was hammering like it was trying to bang its way out of my chest. A ray gun, a laser or whatever, just like Marco and Rachel. Marco would think I made it all up to top his story, if I lived long enough to tell him. I heard screams from some other part of the building. I heard the strange tsew sound of the laser beam or whatever it was. What could I do? I wasn't armed. I wasn't some action hero. All I could do was hide. Hide right here, right where I was, till the cops showed up. Only the cops were already here. So I hid. For half an hour, I just crouched, waiting for it all to end. But then, then something started to happen to me. My hands were changing, flattening out. An orange and black fur was growing, and my fingernails were extending, curving, forming claws. What was happening to me? What was happening? Then, instantly, my hands were, my hands were normal again. Stress. That was it. I was imagining things. Freaking. Losing my mind. There came the sound of yelling, loud protests, cries of rage and fear. And just a dozen yurks, uh, hurting the, the people from the TV station, uh, out into, uh, a car. And also Visser 3 is here. Chapman is here. And Tobias is here because he was in the room when they all got the call. So. <sighs> you know, bad shit. <laughs> and then we cut to Cassie. There's a meeting at the barn. Um, with Jake and Rachel and Marco. Um, and Jake explains what he saw that these uh, TV people were kind of just marched away at gunpoint. Um, and at first, Marco doesn't believe it. Um, like, are you goofing on Rachel and me? Uh, Jake had a look I'd never seen before. There was not the slightest hint of lightheartedness in his expression. He was serious, grim even. He seemed older. Weird. Once again I had this weird feeling, deja vu, the sense that we'd all been here together. Not once, but many times. Only, only there was something missing. My eyes rose to the rafters. Something missing. Uh... They discuss how all of this doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> Cassie's just kind of watching the whole thing. Like, something is missing. Um, and, like, Marco flops back onto the hay bales. Um, like he did sometimes, like he'd done so many times, and yet never done. He'd been, he'd never been in our barn before. Uh, Jake describes the alien he saw on TV, 
And before he can really get out his description, Cassie blurts in that it's like a blue deer, only it had a kind of human face and a long tail. And Jake's like, you saw it on TV too? And she's like, no, I've never seen it, but I know that it has two eyes on top of its head on those little stalks. And I'll tell you something else. He should be here. I pointed to a spot off to one side. My arm was goosebumped all the way up and down. He should be standing right here. Uh, and she tells everyone how she thinks that she was going nuts because she's been having these intense bouts of what seems like deja vu of um, these dreams where she's an animal. Um, and we're, we're the feeling that we're missing two people. The alien is one of them. And, uh, the other is a bird who should be sitting in the rafters. Um, and Jake kind of looks at her with pity. Um, Rachel is angry, but concerned. Like, she didn't know what to say or do to help me out, but she'd gladly yell at anyone who gave me any trouble. I just spilled my guts, and the result was that the three of them, including my best friend and the guy I liked more than ever, were all thinking I needed to see a shrink. And she's like, I'm losing it, aren't I? And to her surprise, Marco is the one like, yeah, you're, some, you're crazy, losing it. The only thing crazier than what you said is some guy who thinks that his big brother, the assistant principal, and Tobias the mega dweeb are shooting up a TV studio. And the only thing crazier than that is some kid who thinks his dead mom is running around town with a laser shooting bodyguard. Which is, I like this nod to Marco as like, yeah, all of this doesn't make any sense, but uh, what is it? Um... If you've ruled out every explanation, whatever explanation remains, however implausible, is the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. And... Then we get the passage that just fucking murdered me. Uh... Just totally... Share it with our friends, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> makes me want to die. <laughs> uh, so, we have to do something, Rachel said decisively. Do what, I asked her. I don't know. Something. There really is some kind of conspiracy. I mean, what are we supposed to do? Just do nothing? Marco said, Rachel, what are the four of us going to do? I don't know, she yelled in frustration. Something. Jake, what do we do? Yeah, what do we do, Big Jake? Marco asked, half-mocking. What do you mean, what do we do? Jake shot back. Why are you asking me? Marco shrugged. You're the leader, man. What are you talking about? The leader of what? And why am I the leader? Because you are, I said. The words were out of my mouth before I could think about them. I felt as if, as if I was a judge and had just passed sentence on Jake. Marco jerked his thumb at me. What the crazy chick said, because you are. Jake looked at Rachel, dumbfounded. Rachel looked at me, an eerie look, like she was listening to me talk, only I wasn't saying anything. Then Rachel said, what do we do, Jake? For a long minute, it felt as if the entire barn was frozen. The three of us looked at Jake. 
He looked back at us, each in turn, this helpless, almost hopeless look on his face. And then he said, we have to find out what's going on. We start with Tom. He's the obvious target. Jake, decisive, once the moment for decision arrived. Let's grab him, tie him down, threaten to give him up to the FBI unless he tells us what's up, Rachel said. Rachel, bold, ready to act, regardless of consequences. If he really shot someone, Tom's dangerous, Marco disagreed, which means whatever we do has to be subtle. If there's some kind of conspiracy involving the sharing, we're not going to know if anyone we talk to is hooked up with them. We need proof before we make a move. Marco, cautious and clever. A chill crawled up my spine. I felt as if the universe had just shifted. Like, like for weeks I'd been riding a bike with the chain always slipping, and like the chain had just caught again. Things weren't right. Not right. But more right than they'd been since we left them all together. And I want to die. <laughs> like... <laughs> I didn't remember this part of, like, I remembered the events of this book. I didn't remember this chapter at all. And, and like, mm. obviously I didn't remember the exact wording of this, but when I read this chapter, I was like, oh my god. Uh, there is something so impossibly inherently tragic about, especially Jake who said yes to the Droids deal because he was so worn down and defeated in his role of leader and so afraid of what he would have to do in the future because he knows that he's losing himself to the war. And even though he takes that deal and he doesn't get signed up for the war he's drawn into it anyway and he's made the leader anyway it's been 30 days and maybe some change since they made the different decision and it's like <sighs> the inevitability of it mm -hmm. just like I feel so feral about it. Like, I mean, that's some, that's like part of what's baked into tragedies, isn't it? Is like you can't escape your fate. Mm -hmm. And regardless of how you feel about like destiny and stuff like that, I feel like this book is just making it clear that regardless of the specifics, certain things were always going to happen. Yeah. Um, and it's also because of the presence of, of what Cassie is doing and just like how the original timeline is asserting itself mm -hmm. and part of it being like, um, how she perceives Jake and does that mm -hmm. influence this moment mm -hmm. because of her perception of him? Because mm -hmm. uh, she's the one that says it sadly but just like you're the leader <laughs> yeah and like she knows it in her bones yeah but even um, before because... she says it marco says it yeah but that you can also believe that 
Yeah, because Marco always is the one that says it first. Mm-hmm. Um, because Marco always follows Jake, though. Yeah. That's their friendship, too. But also Rachel turning to Jake and asking for orders. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like. But and yeah, because this is who they are as people. I because, know. It makes yeah, me and feel that's why so feral. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I can tell. Uh, like, this, it, this it, is it, my thesis for Animorphs, and just, I didn't expect to have it thrown back at me so baldly, and I cry. Well, about the who they are is who mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. And these are the roles they were always going to fall into. Yeah, and nothing is right unless they're acting in those roles. And, like, mm-hmm. it's so tragic, and I want to die. Mm-hmm. But I was talking over you. What were you going to say? I, it's not important. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot remember what it was, and I... I'm not saying I'm enjoying your distress, but I'm emoting <laughs> with you. Uh, I I engage in a lot of Schadenfreude anyway, so I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, like you say, this is just this is what makes Animorphs a tragedy. Mm-hmm. One of the things that makes Animorphs a tragedy is because. They were going to end up being these people. Mm-hmm. And as this timeline shows us, spoiler well, for a bit more book, people they're going to, some of them are going to die. Mm-hmm. Because in this timeline, they didn't get involved sooner. And what and does they don't that have say? The power. Like, yeah, because and so clearly that's the timeline that you were right to go across the construction site to turn left to take the animal thing. And the thing is, for all the it's a Jake has been fucking going through it, um, and it occurs to me um, that it is both simultaneously shitty and fitting that it isn't Jake who made this choice that asserts the original timeline. It's mm-hmm. Cassie. Mm-hmm. Cassie is the only one that is permitted to remember what happened. Mm-hmm. Slash can because of the science because she's his tether Mm -hmm. and because she's not going to leave him in a timeline where everyone else dies Mm -hmm. and presumably he will soon enough as well Mm -hmm. because what living this alternate timeline is showing is no it they might have been hard choices and felt bad but all the things we've done so far have led us to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and when those things didn't happen, things are worse. Yeah. Which I think is needed for them because, as has been established in previous books, like they're fighting a losing battle. It's not going well. Mm-hmm. But this reminder of, hey, it could be actually so much worse Mm -hmm. here's what it looks like if you weren't doing it and to be fair looking at this look how small the timeline shit gets worse on yeah (laughs) how is it like a month Mm -hmm. yeah it's a month for it to all go to shit Mm -hmm. because a group of children chose to 
or not cho- or chose not to cross the construction site. Yeah. They have none of the power, but they still feel all of the responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like, they're literal kids. Mm-hmm. They did not have to go into this like they do. Mm-hmm. But uh, what is it that, what's that line from the first book? Until then we fight? Yeah. You bastard. <laughs> I'm sorry you chose to tattoo something on your body that I'm now using to hurt you with. Something me and your tattoo artist didn't have in common. They don't. They can't do anything else but yeah, try to do something are. because of who they are. These people. people. Yeah. <sighs> this is why I'm going to encourage you to write this fucking Megamorphs Four. Dumb kids are you? God. Mega kids four. <laughs> I'm actually crying. <laughs> Fuck off. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh. God, it's you want to so, it's so we got to start the next chapter. <laughs> yeah, we gotta we gotta keep going. I can't. <laughs> yeah, we got we got to get into uh, uh, queer allegories. Yeah, um, we've got a Tobias chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, powerless, um, unable to be anything but a witness um to all the shit that's going on that these women men and women being pulled out of channel seven studio um to a i can't remember this might be the first time we've heard about the water tower entrance to the yurt mm. pool mm-hmm. um how they are dragged down the steel pier to the yurt pool and infested um and after all of that he still has to go home Mm-hmm. To his trailer, to the, the to, is it a trailer or is it just? It's not just. It's, it's, it's a home. As a, yeah, it's it a, is house. a home. This is not meant to be a commentary on that. It's just regardless. Um, and he's stuck there while Adret trying not to panic about his own shitty situation. It's like I know I'm going to take my mind off my own shit by going through the memories <laughs> of this kid. And Tobias is like, bitch, wrong host. <laughs> Um, you ain't gonna find anything good in there, sunshine. <laughs> um, uh, yep. And uh, Odret is panicking because mm-hmm. he knows that Visser Three is gonna fuck him up, and it's only a matter of time. And if he makes one single wrong move, like he's done for. And so he starts fucking. Turning the screw on Tobias. What a pathetic life you've led, Tobias. I guess I have. I find nothing in your memories worth seeing again. Nothing was worth seeing a first time. Well, that's how it is, right? The sharing is a magnet for losers. They go for the weak. So what did you expect? To say that I hated myself would be an understatement. Odret had rifled through my memories, each more embarrassing than the one before. I'd had to relive too many things I had tried to forget. 
Most painful of all was the image of myself swallowing everything the sharing told me. I had walked willingly to my own destruction. At the time, I'd seen no alternative. Now I saw nothing but alternatives. Was my home a dreary, awful place? Yes. Was I somehow marked as a bully magnet? Yes. Was I different, strange, not quite normal? Yes. And to fight all of that, I had destroyed myself. Brilliant, Tobias. Brilliant. All of life's pains combined could not have equaled what I now endured. Even now, no easy answers leaped to mind. I could not easily have stood the bullying. I could not easily have survived the loneliness. In my fantasies, I could construct fantastic escapes, but in reality, there was no easy way. My life was non-fiction, not some story where the endings are always happy. I couldn't simply become a different person. I couldn't just have some great insight that would save me from myself. All I really could have done was wait. I could have endured. I saw that now. It wasn't a dramatic answer. Wasn't exactly inspiring. Endure, outlast, outwait. I might have been able to do that. I'm not a fool. I know that school was just a part of my life. You spend 18 years as a kid, then maybe 70 years as an adult. And what you are as a kid isn't what you'll be as an adult. Not always, anyway. Endure. I could have done that. Now, too late. My nose itched. I could not scratch it. <sighs> My comment in the document is, Holy queer allegory, Batman. Hmm. Uh, it gets better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and this is the like the tragedy of Tobias, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's like being with him as he goes through this introspection. Um and this awareness for him that like this is it now. I've fucked it. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna die like this. He doesn't know what time scale it's gonna be on, but as far as he's gonna well, this is it. It's done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also but the tragedy that he's putting that all the blame for it on himself mm -hmm. as well and it's like baby no yeah baby no and this isn't it, your fault it's uh tragic in its own way that in the main timeline tobias mm. attempts suicide uh yeah and in this one in explicit allegory Mm -hmm. He does. Yeah. Uh -huh. My poor son. <laughs>